I'm Jennifer Gonzalez from the Cult of Pedagogy podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one... Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is Bob Linz, who serves as the executive director at the Buck Institute for Education, where he leads the change for high-quality, project-based learning opportunities in our schools. Bob Linz is recognized nationally as a leader in high school redesign, project-based learning, 21st century skills education, and performance assessment. He's also the author of a popular book on PBL. Title of the book is Transforming Schools Using Project-Based Learning, Performance Assessment, and Common Core Standards. He's also a popular speaker and consultant on all things related to PBL. Previously, as a teacher, Bob Lenz was the founder of an award-winning leadership and humanities program at Sir Francis Drake High School in California that was named one of 13 New American High Schools by former U.S. Secretary of Education Richard Riley. Drake High School was featured on the cover of U.S. News and World Report as an example of successful high school reform. If you have an interest in project-based learning, either as a new startup program or within an established PBL culture, then this episode is for you. If you enjoy the show, be sure to share it out on social media and give us your thoughts with the Reimagined Schools hashtag. In addition to finding us on all listening platforms, you can also find every episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast at our website at reimaginedschools.net. As always, thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you enjoy this special conversation with Bob Linz as we discuss the path to project-based learning. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm so excited to have a very special guest today that's going to talk to us about project-based learning and why you should incorporate that into your school district. Bob Lenz is the executive director of the Buck Institute for Education. He's also the author of a fantastic book. The title is Transforming Schools using project-based learning, performance assessments, and common core standards that came out in 2015. Let's welcome in Bob Lenz. How are you, Bob? I'm great, Greg. Thanks for inviting me to be on the, on the podcast. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Obviously, uh, project-based learning is something that has continued to grow in popularity, and a lot of people are asking questions. So uh, I think it's important that we give people as much information as we can and kind of point them in the right direction. You've kind of become the guru for project-based learning over the years at, with the Buck Institute. Can you talk about your work there and why it's so important to you? Sure. Um, well, we uh, are laser focused on project-based learning as a strategy to transform learning for, for students. Um, primarily, and, and, that, and 
And when we talk about students, we talk about all students, um, no matter where they're from, what their background. Um, it's uh, because so project-based learning sort of has the opportunity for simultaneous outcomes. That students can learn the academic content and skills that they need to know. They learn what we call success skills, other people call deeper learning outcomes or 21st century skills, critical thinking, collaboration, creativity, communication skills. Um, but probably most importantly, we hear a lot of talk about agency. Really, project-based learning is a way that while students learn those skills and knowledge, they gain this sense of empowerment to tackle the, the problems and challenges in their life. And and most importantly, probably in our in our world. Um, and so our mission is to build the capacity of teachers to be able to provide these high quality project based learning experiences for students. And then uh, most recently in the last few years, we really built up a lot of services and programs and resources for school and school district and system leaders. So they can work to put, put the conditions in place so that teachers can do these great projects with kids. And I know you have a teaching background, uh, teaching, I think, in the Bay Area, uh, starting out as a middle school language arts teacher. Um, if you go back to when you were in the classroom as a teacher, I'm sure you were probably uh, dabbling a little bit into project-based learning. It may not have been called that at the time. Was there an aha moment for you as a teacher where you said, you know what, this is something that, that not only needs to happen, but it's something that can really build momentum and improve learning? Yeah, there's sort of two parts to that story, I think, and and very influential, I think, even today and the way I, you know, lead the places I lead from. When I started teaching, um, I really knew that I wanted to think about a different way of engaging kids rather than there's probably more self-preservation than anything, like just standing and delivering and managing discipline. Um, just wasn't the way I saw myself being a teacher. And I went back to, I did I did two strategies. One is I went and I bought curriculum that provided step-by-step -step instructions on how to lead students in simulations. So it wasn't real project-based learning, but it was on that continuum of, of putting kids in charge of their learning. And I, learned, I started to learn how to manage that process. The other thing that I did was I looked back at my own educational experience, and I often tell the story of Mr. Cooper, my fifth grade teacher, who, where we, we wrote our own poetry, published our own poetry books, and did poetry readings. And I still have my book. And so when I became a seventh grade teacher, I was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, well, I'll do Mr. Cooper's poetry project. And so I you know, I took that from, I had my own book so I could model that product and map backwards from that. And so I kept doing that and I led student, uh, I was very involved in student leadership. So I was doing projects with kids all the time and putting them in charge of making a difference in their school and their community. But I didn't really think of it as project-based learning. And then I moved to Sir Francis Drake High School in the Bay Area right at the beginning of our work in project-based learning. That was about one year in. And we had this academy of juniors and seniors, communications academy. And this one young woman, Sarah, was doing her presentation of learning on the 1930s, uh, where she created a documentary with her team. And the team and her were answering questions 
And it was the first project exhibition. And of course, the history teachers were going to make sure that Sarah knew her content. Um, I mean, we're all impressed the video, but you know, that's soft. What about, do you know, do you know your history? And so they were, they were not giving her softball questions. They were hard balls. And she ended up turning around and actually lecturing the history teachers on the importance of Franklin Delano Roosevelt and our, you know, in the history of the United States. And I left that uh, session and I went to my colleague, Michelle Swanson, who was running the academy. And I said, how do I get kids to do that? And that was like, I, I need to be able to do that. And that, from that day in like 1994, I was committed to being a, a project-based learning educator. So if you think back to, uh, you know, historically, project-based learning has been around for a while. Um, but it's probably just now gained, uh, I guess, popularity is the word or momentum. For me personally, it was with Ted Dennersmith's uh, documentary, Most Likely to Succeed. And after that kind of blew up, you, you started seeing all this stuff on social media about, uh, you know, these community expos, project-based learning, and how this is a different way of doing things. Did you get that sense that after that documentary came out that, that it really started to build momentum? I, 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 love, the, I love the film. Um, and I think it, it uh, was a, is a great tool at the, at the time and continues to be to even further ignite the fire that was already started. Because we really saw the growth in project-based learning happen here at the Buck Institute around 2011 um, and it was rapidly growing and we've really seen a steady growth um, and probably a big bump from uh, uh, for most likely to succeed but I think there is a there's a, what most likely to see succeed is tapping into is the same thing that we're seeing not only in the United States but all over the world um, is that people are collectively have a, a very keen sense that the world has changed dramatically, even in the last 10 years, but especially in the last 20 to 25 years, since a lot of us were either beginning our career in education, or maybe we're even just in school. Um, and a whole new set of skills and dispositions is going to be neat. People had a hint of that in the 90s. But now really know, like, you, you know, you, you have to be able to be a different type of learner and have a different set of skills to meet these challenges of this changing, connected, complex world. And, and, and so I think people are asking themselves, so we have that, we have that understanding. So what do we, how do we go about doing it? And one day, one way is to completely redesign your school. And another is to start with project-based learning. And that's a much easier place of entry for most teachers and schools um, in the in the world, and so I think that's why we're seeing this this, this growth and and Ted and his and his book and his movie really um, have, has has been a great tool to um, fuel that for people to see what's actually possible. And I'm glad you referenced the the how there because uh, you know, and I want your take on this. If we talked to ten different educators tonight and talked about project-based learning, I'm pretty sure there would be a consensus as to why it should be done. We all know the sit-and-get model, the traditional style that, that no longer engages students and prepares them for a project-based world is simply not working. So I think we've got the why covered. 
I think the how is the big piece because if you ask again those 10 educators, you're probably going to get 10 different answers. And that's kind of where you guys come in with the Buck Institute in creating the standards and the framework. You know, so if you could talk a little bit about this idea that a lot of people think project-based learning is just an assessment tool at the end of the actual instruction, whereas in, in the real project-based learning uh, setting, it, it's more inquiry-based, and it's, it's, it is the teaching and learning process. Yeah, exactly, Greg. I mean, we, uh, we like to think about it um, in the simple ways that sometimes people think about project-based learning as dessert. So eat your spinach. Um, it's good for you, and once you eat your spinach, did you get your dessert? Uh, um, and I, I always say, like, I don't know about other people's kids, but a lot of times my kids didn't eat their dinner. They were, they were okay skipping dessert. Um, and, uh, but we think it should be the main course. Um, and that, it doesn't have to be the main course all the time. Um, we're, we're really pushing people to think about how do you make sure uh, that students get at least two high-quality project-based learning experiences every year. Um, because if that happened from the time they were kindergarten to the time they were in 12th grade, that would be 26 high-quality project-based learning experiences. Think of that as the floor. It doesn't have to be the ceiling. Um, and as you mentioned, we, we worked with a broad stakeholder group to facilitate a process of coming up with a framework and a set of criteria uh, for what what is the student experience that is high quality? Um, so the sense of academic and intellectual challenge, authenticity, it's public, there's project management, it's collaborative, and there's uh, multiple opportunities for reflection. Um, that's the, if those things come together, that's the, that's the, the what it looks like. And at, the, at Buck Institute, we have a how. We call that the gold standard design and uh, teaching elements. And that's what we, why we exist, is to help people with the how. Uh, but there's lots of, fortunately, more and more people growing that are trying to make the, these experiences happen. Um, so that's, you know, that's where we, we're, we're really pushing that this is, uh, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And because I think that's somewhere where we get, we get stuck is, we're not ready to be high tech high, but we don't know how to get going. And so we say, let's get going with project-based learning. And, and there's lots of tools and resources that can help you make this experience happen for kids at least twice a year. And I've heard you say a couple times that project-based learning is transformative. And, and, and the reason is, and, and I, I want you to expand upon this, is because it empowers kids because they're going to enter a world in which everything is project-based. That's right. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Project-based learning is good for you later, but it's also really great now. And so it's this, it's this great tool and approach that by giving the kids a sense of, of to be both to own their learning, to have a sense of mastery and ownership over, uh, over deep knowledge and then be able to apply that in a public way is really powerful. And it really is a, it's a victorious cycle that continues to lead them into feeling more engaged and empowered in other aspects of their learning and their, and their life. That's why we don't, we don't think the two projects is where it stops. It's actually where it starts because those habits of minds and dispositions carry on to, into their other work, whether in school or outside of school. 
where they actually have a sense, that true sense of, of agency. We also think, you know, um, the Heath brothers out of Stanford Business School wrote a book uh, that talks about peak experiences. And peak experiences are where human beings have those deep experiences that they can recall, remember for most of the rest of their lives. Um, Project-based learning provides those type of experiences. Uh, so much of school, is you're just making it through, you're day by day doing school. And then you get to do a project with a group of people or on your own that you really care about, that you actually are, have deep knowledge and quite possibly made a difference in your school and your community. You never forget that. And that learning transfers on in the rest of your life. That's why we think it's transformative. I think the, the last thing I'd say, Greg, is that it's really powerful for all kids, but this sense of agency and empowerment for students who are furthest from opportunity, often Latino and African-American and low-income students, special ed students, project-based learning is a, even amplified, that power is even amplified even more for them. And I've also heard you refer to yourself as a redesign leader. And I, that's just such a cool title. When I heard that for the first time, I thought, wow, shouldn't every school leader be a redesign leader? And talk about that a little bit and your experience as someone that has gone in and redesigned schools. If you go back and think about Drake High School and the recognition that you received there. Yeah, you know, that's rooted in the response to um, the idea of school reform. Um, and we're actually part of a project back at Drake in the Bay Area School Reform Collaborative. And that really stuck a crawl in the throat. And we still talk about reforming schools. And it's such an old way of thinking about almost punishing somebody, you know, sending them to reform school, that really what we're about is trying to redesign schools to make deep learning happen for kids. And so um, it's not like shame on you, school, for what you're doing. It's like, how do we as leaders help redesign the learning experiences? And as I mentioned earlier, like we really think conditions need to change um, in schools in service of the learning that you want to happen. And that's the redesign. And how are you redesigning your classroom? How are you redesigning your school schedule? How are you providing collaborative time for teachers, uh, uh, focused and continuous professional development? These are redesigns, not reforms. Um, that uh, you're, you that aren't a one-time fix either. They are something that you're building capacity and putting things in that are going to be sustainable over time. And I know the Buck Institute does a lot of, uh, you specialize in trainings. I, I don't know how many teachers, educators, and school districts you've worked with, but I know it's, it's a pretty high number. Uh, as you think about professional development for teachers, we talk a lot about what PBL looks like in the classroom. Are you seeing a shift toward project-based learning as a professional development tool? Uh, you know, one of the things that's popular right now are the book studies. And you see things on social media all the time. These groups are doing this book study or that book study. But if all you're going to do is read the book and just have some <laughs> general conversation about it, I, I don't know how much value uh, is, is there. Wouldn't it make more sense if you would go ahead and do the book study, but then attach it to some kind of project so maybe you can move, move your school forward? Yeah, I can't agree more. I mean, there's a place for book study and learning. Um, you know, in fact, we're going to work with probably over 15,000 teachers this year and close to 5,000 school leaders um, across the United States. And um, the uh, and I, and 
the uh, I think what resonates with folks with our work is it's actually action oriented. I mean, you're you're doing you're learning in a in a student centered, uh, uh, learner centered way, um, but the you are expected to make if you're a leader, you're expected to make changes in the conditions for teachers. And if you're a teacher, you're expected to go implement a project. Um, and so it's not just learning, but it's learning in action. And in the I, when we're in our deep systemic work in districts or even with schools, we really encourage people to follow up. It's a sense of continuous improvement. So teachers are doing a project and they're coming back together with our national faculty or, or our staff if they're a leader and they're with their colleagues, they're reflecting on what they learned. They're redesigning and thinking about the next project they're going to do and they go back and implement and so they're learning just like we ask kids to learn by doing we're asking educators to learn by doing and just like we ask kids to exhibit their learning we're now more and more asking teachers and school leaders to do exhibitions and presentations of learning just like kids um, so that at every level of the school system people are learning by doing um, holding themselves accountable by making the work public and being and being committed to continuous improvement, knowing that learning's a journey and it's not a, a, a there's, you're, you're never really done. Um, and so we're, we're hoping that that becomes more the norm for professional development. We often talk to our leaders that we're, we're teaching them strategies and they're trying out strategies for implementing project-based learning. But these are research-based strategies that you can employ for any uh, change or redesign you want to do in your school and similar for teachers like if you think kids are empowered by putting them in charge of their learning for these projects how do you do that more often and I also think a little bit about uh, the impact of a collaborative approach to project-based learning it's one thing for the individual fifth grade teacher to dive into uh, PBL and, and have success. And that's great. If you're out there by yourself, you know, keep fighting the fight and hopefully try to get some of your colleagues on board. But you think about the, the impact of a school-wide or even a district-wide approach. What are some of the, uh, excuse me, what are some of the success stories uh, that, that you've been hearing about with the Buck Institute whenever you take that plunge and do something on a, on a much larger scale? Oh, we, we see really great momentum where we're doing, uh, we're, we're working with, uh, you know, close to 25 districts across the country, but I'll just highlight the work of two uh, that are, we're, they're part of a research practice uh, project uh, funded by uh, the lead funders, the Hewlett Foundation, and several other local funders and national funders are involved in it. And we're working with Manchester Public Schools in New Hampshire and the Pearl-Sai-Wai-Pahu a complex area in Honolulu. Uh, both of them have a high percentage of kids who would, we would say are furthest from opportunity. And both districts have made a commitment that at the minimum, 80% of the students, including 80% of the students who are um, uh, furthest from opportunity, are going to get a chance to do two projects a year. Um, and so they are working collaboratively as leaders and then as grade level teams, um, as academy teams, and after only a, uh, about nine months working together, you're already seeing the, the positive momentum where teachers who weren't in the first round of, of, uh, of training are asking if they can do their training earlier because they're seeing the enthusiasm of their colleagues who are working in teams um, and the enthusiasm of the kids who are experiencing project-based learning. 
So we are big, huge proponents of the systemic approach, either systemically thinking about it as a school and ideally as a, as a district or a subset of districts, uh, because every level to your, to your point of collaboration, whether it's the collaboration of the grade level team or the academy and the high school, the schools, the school leaders collaborating, um, there's, there's a huge amount of power. Um, we really believe there's a, a term I got from uh, Ben Akalik and uh, Art Costa. It's called holonomy. Um, and it's really a geometric term, but in organizational development, it's the idea that any intervention or process that you're doing in order to promote student learning. So if you believe that public product, like I was mentioning in important, is, is a driver for deeper learning, then that should be true at all levels of your system. Um, so if we believe that collaboration is great for kids, it's great for the adults too. Um, and so as we work with school leaders, we're thinking, well, how do you build those systems in time? Often it's just the time, the desire for teachers is there to allow this productive collaboration to happen. And, you know, I also had a recent conversation with some, some ed leaders, and we were talking about project-based learning and when a good time uh, it might be to incorporate that in the, into the classroom. And I actually had a few of them tell me, uh, you know, Greg, it's too late in the year to dive into something like that. We have too much content to cover. And my response was, A, you are covering the content. That's, that's what you're doing with the project-based learning framework. And B, this is the perfect time to start because you're getting ready to end uh, the year, 2018. You can plan now and kick things off in January when you come back. Yeah, that's perfect. I think I, I wrote a piece, and it's in, in my book, Transforming Schools. I came from a blog I wrote because I, got, um, I wanted to address what I call the fallacies or myths about why you can't do project-based learning. One of them is I got too much content to cover. Um, and I, and there's a, there's this uh, belief that if you cover it, the kids know it. Um, and, and the research is really clear that they don't, they might be able to recall it on a, a quickly after, you know, on a quick assessment. Um, but they highlight this and most likely to su succeed, um, when they did the research study and followed up with kids, uh, six weeks later. Um, even the kids who got an A on the test failed it the next six weeks later uh, because it was, it was input in, input out. And so there's a fallacy there. If you learn it, it to your point, it is about content. And if you go deep, you're pretty assured that the kids are going to learn the, the, the sort of less is more complex or, uh, principle really holds out that because of the deeper experience, the kids actually can recall it and apply it in a new and different situation. It's never too late to start going deep um, with, with learning. Um, and I think there's, um, they, what we hear a lot is concern about standardized test scores. And, um, and so I got to make sure that I've covered everything. And then I'm going to have kids do some projects. Um, and so we're, we're, we've endeavored to work with, uh, we're in a pilot stage right now, prototyping um, a, a set, uh, an evidence framework that we can help um, districts it's flexible enough that the, dis the districts can start to use themselves so they can start collecting evidence about the efficacy of project-based learning and is in where the teachers are growing, but also start collecting some evidence about the student outcomes that are separate from the standardized test scores. Um, because if, if we're not going to, I mean, I think uh, school leaders are really clear, like, I think this is really important, but uh, all you're holding them and me accountable for 
for as a narrow measure. So how, how do we help the schools and the districts and the states have another form of accountability that actually is aligned with the type of skills and dispositions that we want to see kids learn? My guest today is Bob Lenz. He's executive director of the Buck Institute for Education. You can follow him on Twitter at PBLBob. You also want to check out the website, www.bie.org. They're at the Buck Institute. They will walk you through how to attack this idea of project-based learning in your school and in your classroom. So, Bob, as we kind of wrap things up, I know there are going to be school leaders listening to the podcast. There's a principal sitting somewhere uh, as this airs, and they're thinking, you know what, I'd really like to dive in and do this, but I just don't know how to get started. What advice do you have for those school leaders? Get started. There's power and magic in getting started. Um, the, the students will reward you for it, and the teachers will thank you for it. If that's getting online and you know, going to our website, um, if it's getting the film most likely to succeed and showing it for your faculty and your families, is it buying one of the PBL books on our, on our library and doing a book read? Is it getting training from us or for somebody else for your staff? Get started. Um, because the longer you wait, the, the less chance that kids are going to get high quality project-based learning experiences. Well, I think that's very well said, Bob. And again, thanks so much for your valuable time. I'm a big fan of your work and what you're doing at Buck, Buck Institute. So thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure, Greg. Great, great questions. It was really fun. So be sure to check out the website. Be sure to follow Bob on Twitter, again, at PBLBob, and uh, reach out. He'll be glad to talk with you about how to get started with PBL. So once again, I want to thank all of our loyal listeners here for the Reimagined Schools podcast. And as always, folks, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins.